Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular, completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Well, hi there. In today's episode, we're going to talk about rebuilding self-esteem after quitting drinking. Life coach and podcast host Arlena Allen is my guest today. And our conversation is focused on the idea that as human beings, we only allow into our lives what we feel we deserve, whether we want the right job, relationship, financial security, fitness goals, or anything else, the only way to actually achieve your dream goals long-term is to change the deep subconscious beliefs we all carry around with us about what we think we deserve. If we don't change those beliefs, regardless of how hard we work, we'll sabotage our own progress in achieving them, consciously or unconsciously. And this is a really important topic for women who have quit drinking or are in the process of quitting drinking because self-esteem is a foundational piece of recovery work that needs to be done so that we can achieve everything else we want in life. Arlena has so much valuable information to share on this topic, 
because she's the creator of reInvent, the six-week self-esteem course. It's an online live group workshop where Arlena works with women to get to the root of what's holding them back and to change their beliefs to realize their dreams. In this episode, Arlena will share the framework of her self-esteem course, including the importance of creating the right support systems, tools for long-term change, a new self-image, and a vision for what's possible in your future. I hope you're going to love this conversation. Arlena is both a wonderful human being, a woman who has been clean and sober since 1994, so if you're doing the math on that, that is 26 years, and the host of the popular recovery podcast, which is pronounced Chat, O-D-A-A-T, for one day at a time where her guests share their stories of alcoholism and addiction and how they recovered. So let's get started. Arlena, I am so happy to have you on and excited to talk about self-esteem, how important it is and how we sometimes need to rebuild it after we quit drinking to get back to becoming the person we're meant to be. So tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you do. Well, first of all, I am so excited that you were having me on your podcast. Um, you have done such a great job so far with all your interviews and every everything. It's so good. Um, so kudos to you. Um, so yeah, I am a podcaster myself. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. And yeah, I my focus is on building self-esteem or really rebuilding self-esteem because I feel like as little kids, we start off with good self-esteem, but society and family and life in general um, has a way of deconstructing (laughs) that, right? And then uh, some of us have what they refer to as a alcohol use disorder or uh, alcoholism. I know people, it's kind of like a dirty word, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing, right? It's a tool that we use to self-medicate or distract from, you know, our current moment, which is usually a moment that is filled with underlying feelings of like not being good enough. So my life's work really is to help women find a way to have such good self-esteem that they are are operating from like an internal uh, self-validation framework as opposed to needing external validation. Because that, man, that external validation is a taskmaster. It's it's like you can never be good enough and the tide changes frequently. So it's hard to maintain any kind of emotional stability when your, you know, locus of control is outside yourself. So that's why I'm obsessed with self-esteem. I think that's so important, right? And we always, you know, as girls, as soon as we, like you said, we used to have self-esteem and then somewhere along the way, we were sort of taught that, what other people think of us is almost more important than how we feel. So you're taught that unless you please your teachers and your parents and your boss and everyone else, that you're doing something wrong. And it's, it's exhausting. It's an exhausting way to live. And the way we live is by drinking when we get overwhelmed or upset or anxious or insecure. So I completely agree with you that once you sort of put down that coping mechanism, you have to figure out how to be okay living in your own skin 
Um, and that's a really hard thing to do, but it's also, I mean, the most important work we can do in our lifetimes. Absolutely. I mean, so what you're really talking about is, you know, asking the right questions. Like if we start asking the right questions, you know, what is the one thing that's going to make me happy or, you know, it's, it's, it's all about what we think of ourselves, you know, it's regaining that control back and in our society as women, man, we just cannot win, right? You're too fat. (laughs) You're too thin. You're too opinionated. You don't have a voice. That's the other thing is, you need to have a voice and then you have a voice and it's like, wow, what a, you're such a bitch. <laughs> it's yes. like, we just can't win. So we need to take a step back and, and decide, wait a minute, what's really important to me? You know, yeah. is it what I think of me and, and what is it that I really want? You know, I think most of us don't allow, we don't allow ourselves to want what we really want because it's affected by what other people think of us or our responsibilities to others. So, um, yeah, it's important to, and that's part of the class. I, the reinvent class that I teach is, you know, what is it that you really want? Yeah. You know, let's, let's start there. And then we can talk about the other things like what's keeping you from getting what you really want. Because usually it's when I ask people, it's like, well, why don't you have what you want? It's what it, what comes next is the story that we tell ourselves. It's Mm -hmm. typically around excuses it's typically around, I don't have enough time or I'll do it later. Or, um, you know, I have to, there's something I need first or I need help from somebody or, so we put all these obstacles in front of our own way. So it's, it's really important to sort of deconstruct our thought process as to what really is, what really are the blocks. And I, I would propose for your listeners consideration that guilt is one of the obstacles to gaining what we want. We, we typically allow into our lives what we feel we deserve, mm-hmm. right? And everybody yeah. has sort of like this thermostat. We don't get too high and we don't get too low. And um, when we get too high, we have these self-doubts that come in, right? It's the whole inner critic, mean girl, imposter syndrome. It's like, you know, it's, we're the only ones who know where all the bodies are buried, right? We know we have the complete history of all our mistakes since the beginning of time. And, uh, you know, there's a million reasons why women have so much guilt. I think, um, being a mom gives you inherent guilt. Um, just not being able to live up to society standards gives you lots of guilt. So, I would propose that guilt is something that definitely needs to be dealt with head on um, so that you can get what you want. You can let yourself have what you want. When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, relief, and to reduce inflammation. Tanasi creates the highest quality, scientifically validated CBD and hemp extract products. Tanasi's formula includes a unique combination of CBD and CBDA in every dose, which is two times more effective 
than just CBD alone. So if you want to create a sense of calm, to calm your mind, to relax before bed for a great night of sleep, try Tanasi. Tanasi is being really generous with our listeners. You can go to Tanasi.com and use code HELLO to get 25% off at checkout right now. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with the promo code HELLO and get ready to sleep well. Well, there's so much in what you just said and there's so much to unpack there. I mean, I don't think that any woman listening to this would pr- not be nodding their head at the different concepts that that we've kind of touched on, right? Talking about people pleasing and evaluating yourself from external standards or what other people think, then talking about um, trying to live up to those impossible standards, your inner critic voice, feeling like an imposter, trying to protect yourself, and then guilt. How does how do we unpack that? And how does it actually relate back to self-esteem? Because a lot of times people are, say, yes, I'm people pleasing, or yes, I'm prioritizing other needs over my own. But it's not a direct link to, you know, self-esteem or a dysfunctional relationship with yourself or not tapping into and honoring what you need. Like, how do you get from one place to the other? Well, let's, let's start with, you know, what compels us to over drink, let's Mm -hmm. say. Great spot. Great place to start. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's so funny. I recently commented, you know, I try to offer support and I have a women's group online, a Facebook group, and I participate in some other ones too. And the, the common thing I hear is like, like yesterday it was like, Oh, I'm so mad at alcohol. Like someone had a resentment towards alcohol and I, you know, but if we take a step back, you know, alcohol use disorder is just a symptom of a deeper problem, right? It's just a symptom. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And we, and we are compelled to self-medicate because we don't know how to manage or resolve our negative feelings, right? That's where, that's where the party starts, right? That's what is the, at the root causes. We don't, you're going to go through life, right? We walk through life and it's a jungle out there and there are monkeys throwing shit at you. (laughs) You It's like, you have to, you need to, you need a way to sort of process and deflect all the negative um, experiences and feelings really is what it is. So most of us don't have those good coping skills. And so we reach for unhealthy ones because those are obvious and those are in our face all the time. Like the mommy drinking wine drinking culture is huge. It's Mm -hmm. like, here, this will solve your problem. And let's laugh about how challenging our kids are. And, And so what I typically recommend is healthy coping skills, right? So I do a morning routine of prayer, meditation, and journaling. And, and part of my self-care is developing a support community that um, I can reach out to, to do like a check-in call with. A check-in call is like, you know, I have maybe four or five women I can reach out to and just check in. And the check-in call consists of, hey, I just thought I'd check in on you. How you're, how are you doing? How is your day going? And then you should, then I share a little bit about what's going on in my life. And so then, you know, that's it. We're, we're current, 
right? I'm current with that person. And then I do it three or four more times during that week. And I'm current with a bunch of people that way when, um, when problems arise, like when the shit hits the fan, I have five people. Like if one person's not available, I go to the next one. If that person's not available, I go to the next one because I need to be able to process my feelings without having to spend a lot of time in the backstory. You know, a lot of times people are not accustomed to, um, I know I wasn't accustomed to calling somebody and just being like, Hey, I just need to vent for five minutes, or I'm going to vent at you for about five minutes. And then I need you to either provide me a solution, agree with me, give me a poor baby. (laughs) You know, I I tell my friends what I need from them so that they know how to appropriately, appropriately respond. Sometimes I just need to vent and I don't need you to fix my feelings. Yeah. Sometimes I just need someone to hold safe space for me so I can be sad for a minute and they, and, and a just validate my feelings. Right. But the whole process of like a morning routine with the prayer, meditation and journaling, that's a way for me to resolve my negative feelings so that I'm not carrying them around with me. And that relates to self-esteem because if I'm not carrying around all this guilt and shame, you know, if I have empathy for myself, then I, my self-esteem is strong. And from that place, I can feel worthy and deserving of allowing good things into my life. And that's really the whole point of all this, right? Mm -hmm. Is to be able to allow good things into my life. I love when you also said about needing people who you can call when you need them, who know the backstory. And that jumped out at me because for a lot of the women I work with who I coach, many of them tell me that I'm the first person that they've been honest with about not just drinking, but all the thoughts and emotions and worrying and trying to moderate and all the things going on in their lives and how they feel when they wake up in the morning. And they don't even share that with their husband, with their partner, with their best girlfriends, because they don't want them to be watching them and judging them. And, you know, they kind of want, you know, I should be able to deal with this on my own. I should get my shit together right? And so that's what I think so many of us are missing is having someone to call when you're frustrated about your kids, your husband, um, the phone company, whatever it is, but someone who knows the backstory on how drinking is calls to you, how it's unhealthy, how it makes you feel in the morning so that that's the shorthand, right? You need, because the, the sort of trigger is the phone company. The backstory you need to know is that drinking is not a great solution for you. So we need to like get you feeling better, get you feeling strong. And it's all tied in with self-esteem, right? Because it's all like, all we're trying to do is make feelings go away when we're drinking or let other feelings take over. And you know, a lot of that inner critic voice is ourselves beating ourselves down to help ourselves feel small so that we don't get criticized. Like it's this, it's this chicken and egg that there's almost, you know, the only way to stop is to stop and to dig in and say, the stories I'm telling myself, they aren't true and they aren't serving me. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy, but one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice 
what you've wanted to change, but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash someday. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you said a lot there and, and what all, I mean, it's a mess, right? What a mess, yes. what a mess that we're left with. I mean, here we are. It's like, wow, this is a huge mess. You know, it's like, how do we, how do we go through life? Like I'm telling you the, the phone company, I had an experience with, uh, I think it was dish or something. And I was so frustrated. Can I, I can curse. I've already oh, yeah. been cursing. Oh my God. I had this bitch on the phone that would not listen to me and kept cutting me <laughs> off. And I was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Where do you live? <laughs> but, um, it's like, here's the funny thing. It's like, when you get into recovery, you start doing all this self-examination. Mm-hmm. It's like, why am I so angry? Why am I so frustrated? Why am I so exhausted? It's like, and I needed a process to sort through all my stuff. I needed to identify, you know, I had to, here's, you know, what's, you know, what it really is, what it boils down to Casey is that time does not heal all wounds. The pain waits. Yes. And so here we are carrying around all this um, pain and resentment from our past. And we're like this boil ready to explode and somebody, we just brush up against somebody and we explode. Right. So that lady on the phone, um, that I experienced, you know, she was just brushing up against an already inflamed and painful self, an emotion, right? And I just exploded on her, you know, because I had not dealt with the core issue, right? It's like I had so much baggage that just bumping into somebody just caused it to explode. That's why people, this this term of being triggered Mm -hmm. is such a, like that wasn't a thing 10 years ago, right? People didn't talk about being triggered, but it resonates for everybody because we're all carrying around so much baggage that we do get triggered all the time. So yeah. the idea is how about we unpack the baggage? Yes. How about we look into the past and resolve it? We can, we can sort out what's ours. We can sort out what is ours and what is not ours. Because when you let go of what's not your responsibility, you can bear the weight of what is. Mm. I right? love that. Yeah. It's so important to do. And it's important to have somebody who understands what it's like to overcome the drinking problem, because that person is going to have a a level of empathy and understanding that somebody who has never struggled with that issue is going to understand, right? Like we need empathy and compassion and love and support as we transition from a drinking lifestyle to an alcohol-free lifestyle. We need to have friends who get it. I love that. And I love the work you're doing because it's so true, right? The, the issue 
that, and everyone has to deal, you know, everyone has something different. That's the sort of presenting problem or what's underneath them drinking, but self-esteem is a huge one. And, you know, whatever the issue is underneath why you drink, why you want to numb out, why um, you're leaning on it as your main coping mechanism is the work you need to do. And that's the good work. That's the work that you actually get to do when you stop drinking so you can finally resolve it and make peace with it and move forward feeling good. But I feel like so for many of us and why I love working with women who've quit drinking is, yeah, you overdrank. It's not the biggest deal in the world. You're not a horrible person, you know, been there, done that. Like, yeah, of course we all do that. Anyway, let's talk about how you're moving forward, you know, as opposed to working with someone who doesn't have that history drinking, who for some godforsaken reason could be horrified that you overdrank and woke up with a hangover every day. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I did that. So many women do that. You don't even know, you know? Yeah. And here's the funny thing is that not, I don't mean funny, but here's the peculiar thing is that there's judgment around the drinking um, disorder, right? There isn't as much um, judgment around overspending because that can be hidden, right? Mm -hmm. Like nobody knows how much debt you have, or I have, or how much debt the neighbor has. Right. But that can be super destructive, but nobody can see that. Um, overeating can be a big problem for a lot of people. And, you know, my trainer always says what you eat in private shows up in public. So I, I guess to some extent you can't really hide that either. Um, but there, there is a lot of shame around, around alcohol. People feel like it's a moral issue, but sometimes, you know, we cross the line and, and we lose the ability to choose, but we can lose that ability to choose around, you know, spending money and, and eating and, and things like that. But none of that is the point. It's not how we act out. It's what's causing us to act out. That is the question. And for me, everything always boils down to how we feel about ourselves, right? And and that's why I don't care, you know, that's why it's like every year of the last 26 years that I've been in like the recovery space, everything comes back down to how I, how do I feel? How do I really feel about myself? Mm-hmm. You know, who am, who am I in the world? What labels have I adopted and what beliefs do I have about myself? What have I decided that it, that's true about me? Right. And the funny thing about beliefs is they are not necessarily rooted in facts and facts are so much easier to believe than just an idea that was um, implanted into your subconscious from childhood. Right. As adults, we have the opportunity to, you know, take a look at ourselves. And that is really like the ironic blessing of anything like alcohol use disorder, drug addiction, food addiction, trauma. It's an opportunity to do some self examination because, you know, like I said, the pain waits and it gets worse and worse and worse until you deal with it. And so we're either going to suffer the pains of, our, I I refer to it as like an obsession or a distraction, right? We either suffer the pains of that, pay the price of that, or we pay the price of healthy coping skills, which is to confront your feelings. And the reason why we do it with support is because it's hard. It's hard to face those feelings alone. We actually need each other. 
You know, we don't do this. We don't heal in isolation and in darkness, right? And it's not about the problem. It's about the solution. You know, it's, I don't care what the problem is. The solution is the same. Well, so tell us about the process you take women through and the work you do, because I think it's so interesting. Yeah. So the, the idea is that we only allow into our lives what we feel we deserve. And if we change the way we believe about what we feel we deserve, right? The believing and the feeling are so important because um, if we, if, and we can change that. And if, and when we do decide to change those things, the outcome is different because the questions about ourselves change. And let me just unpack that a little bit. So every, like when you're confronted with a situation, you make decisions based on the information that you have, right? Based on what you feel like you're capable of, what the potential of the future might be. And we make decisions with limited information. So when we are presented with new information, we can make different decisions and then from that place, take a different action. And then, when, and then I really believe in the laws of cause and effect. When you take a different action, you get a different effect, right? But a lot of us don't even know where to start, right? But it all starts with identifying and releasing some of those negative beliefs. So what I do is I first start with, you know, let's start with the end in mind. I like to start with what is the shiny, the bright, shiny prize mm-hmm. at the end. And the bright, shiny prize is what do you really want, right? And then I have the girls do these writing exercises where they write out their perfect day from beginning to end. And what that does, uh, we're working with the laws of like neuroscience and reshaping our subconscious mind. And so we start thinking about what does your perfect day look like? Who are you with? Where are you? Where do you wake up? Like, what does the bed look like that you wake up in? And then every single, like, what does it smell like? What does it feel like? We try to get all five senses involved and you get an idea of what your perfect day looks like. And and I'm talking about no limitations, Mm -hmm. you know, what size are you, what size pants are you wearing? And it's like, what does that man look like? How much money is the bank? You know, are you at the beach? Are you in the mountains? Are you at the lake? Just play wildly in your imagination. That becomes the carrot and spoiler alert, there's no stick. (laughs) (laughs) Because life itself is enough of a stick, I feel. What like. do they do when they when they put that out? Like I'm a huge vision board person, so yes. you would be. Oh my god, to see my garage. I've got like 20 vision boards up. My poor husband. Um, <laughs> but I swear to God, they help me get sober and and look yeah. forward in my life and change the words I say to myself. So I can imagine if your dream is to live in Paris or visit Paris and ride a moped or, you know, whatever it is and run a marathon, like images of that and quotes of how you feel and would be so motivational just to keep your goal front and center. So here's the, here's the funny little trick. And this is how I can prove that the subconscious mind actually works. When you go shopping for a car, suddenly you see that car everywhere. It's because your, your mind is focused on that right? You know that it's possible. You know that you're going to go get a car and suddenly you see that car everywhere. And that's uh, Tony Robbins calls it reticulating activation system. I don't know if that's even a thing, but it is so interesting that it's like what you think about, you bring about. 
that's mm-hmm. kind of like the bottom line of like the law of attraction, right? What you think about, it's really what you think about and what you feel about because we are at our very core made up of energy, right? All the way down to our atoms. Atoms are, you know, molecules are made up of atoms and atoms are held together by positive protons and negative neutrons. It's positive and negative energy at our very core. That's what we're made up of. And so it's interesting how you think a thought and then you have a feeling and that feeling carries energy with it. And another way you can validate that that's true is I know we've all walked into a room and, you know, that expression, you could cut the tension with a knife, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a thing where you go to a concert and the energy is just electric, right? You can feel it. You know, we are at our very essence, like magnets, and we're drawing to us or repelling from us at the level of thought and feeling. So this whole idea, the process that we go through is that we are starting to get an idea of what it is that we really want. And then we begin to see ourselves living that situation. So once you have the perfect day exercise, then the daily writing exercise is about being in gratitude. It's a gratitude list. And then it's a writing exercise. I do it to this day, daily. Yeah. I still write as if my goal has already happened, mm-hmm. right? Like right now I'm writing a book. And so I, in my daily journaling exercise, it's like, I have the big perfect day. Like what would the perfect day look like? But I also have like a daily, like I have a goal in mind. And so I write about my daily goal. Mm -hmm. And it's as if it's already happened. Like, I am so happy and grateful now that um, I was able to tell my mom I was on the New York Times bestseller list. I am so happy now that I have the financial freedom to live anywhere in the world and be of service to women, you know, across the globe. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm doing the writing because I'm feeling it. I am using my imagination. Einstein said our most important, our most powerful tool is our imagination. Mm -hmm. And that's what the vision board is. It's like you use your imagination to create a visual representation of what you want to attract. And as you focus on that, that's how we manifest things. I mean, we're taking, we're taking action behind these ideas. It's not like we're just fantasizing and not taking, you know, sitting on the couch, eating bonbons. That's not happening, but it's about once you see like what your future self can do, then suddenly the steps between here and there become visible. You can start thinking, oh, if I took this action, if I took that action, you can kind of see the goal Mm -hmm. and you can start walking towards that direction. So the whole beginning part of the process is to get an idea of what you really want and then start feeling it as if it's already happened, right? So that's like the beginning phase of it. Yeah. And then the second phase is to address the resistance that comes up. Everybody has natural resistance to these ideas. It's like, we can get all fired up and motivated and you can go to a, you know, you can go to a pep rally, <laughs> Tony Robbins, and I get, you can get all motivated. But what happens is uh, life starts to happen. It's like you move through life and, you know, we take in these, I mean, we are bombarded with millions of messages about how we're not good enough all the time. Yeah. So even if you do all the work you know, and get all excited, you're going to move through life and then you're going to attract some guilt. It just gets, that's just how it is. And it's to yourself, right? You're, you're mm -hmm. sort of wired 
to try to keep yourself small, which means keeping yourself safe and not changing. So you can even throw up that internal resistance, right? You get so excited and then you're like, oh, but if I achieve my huge dream, maybe I won't spend as much time with my family. So I'm not going to do that. Or people will think I'm kind of getting too big for myself. Too big for your britches. Yeah. They won't like me. They won't like me. Yeah. And that's, you know, and the thing is, is that we need community. We are social creatures and we need each other, especially as women. I mean, that's how women survived is that we, we bond together in society. We help each other out. Like when you have a little baby that, I mean, that was the most vulnerable I had ever been in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we, we need each other as women, but, uh, so once you, yeah. So that's part of that thermostat, right? You don't, don't get too high. Don't get too low. It's like, you don't get too low out of survival. You don't get too high out of survival. And so when you, when you're trying to go to that next level, it's like, how do you deal with your own internal resistance? And, and most of it is revolves around not being worthy or deserving of it. So right? how do you help women go through that? So the second part of the phase is once you kind of get the idea of what it is that you want, then we have to deal with the natural resistance. And that's why the morning self-care routine is so important. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a practice of, you know, shedding the guilt and shame, right? It's self-care, right? It's like you care for yourself and, you know, um, I, I was, I was raised with religion, but I rejected it. It's, you know, in my Mm -hmm. early, probably late teens, early twenties. Um, but the idea of a higher power has never really left me. And so in my recovery process, I was introduced to this idea that I could redefine what that meant. I could reject the ideas that didn't really ever make sense to me. Right. Um, I, I grew up in a Christian religion and, and there was this, I missed the, probably the most fundamentally important part of the Christian religion, which was the, the whole idea of Jesus was to come to the, to forgive, right? To forgive. And it's like, oh, that's, that's absolving me of my guilt. That should be able to, right? And it's like every religion and practice has a way of absolving you of guilt because that's a human condition, right? I missed that. <laughs> I got stuck on being perfect, like trying to live up to some impossible standard. And uh-huh. then there was this idea that my mom would burn in hell if she didn't believe exactly the way, you know, and, my, and she didn't believe that way. And I was like, well, God must love my mom at least as much as I do. Yeah. Right. They keep telling me how puny my brain is and my small human couldn't possibly fathom the vastness of but what he was going to send mom to hell that never made any sense to me. So when I got into recovery, they're like, yeah, you can scrap that. You don't have to buy into that. And so what made sense to me was that God was love and is, is, is part of there's universal laws. And so that I'm a science girl. So that I could buy into. Yeah. Right. So that's what I use to guide me. And I use the internal compass. Like I do a gut check like your intuition, it's like, you can almost tell what somebody else is thinking. You can feel it actually, mm-hmm. right? You can be in, in the presence of somebody who's smiling at you, but you can feel it that they either don't get you or they don't like you. You know what I mean? Like they don't accept you for some reason. So we are very intuitive. And so, you know, I think this whole process is about trusting your gut, but that morning ritual of me turning 
my life over to like a higher power, that's an important part because that kind of opens me up and it allows me, like I might have an idea in my mind of what I think I want, but there might be something bigger and better for me. So in my so mind, do you do that with the women in your, in your self-esteem reinvent class as well? Like, what does that look like for them since everyone's a little different? Yeah. So everybody gets to define their own concept of a mm -hmm. higher power, but really I talk in very loose terms of the morning ritual, like the morning self-care practice. It's, it doesn't matter what it, what specifically it looks like. What matters is, is that it fills you up. Yeah. Right. It, help, it allows you to release any guilt and shame. Um, it sets an intention for the day, mm. right? Uh, a focus on gratitude. Can't, you cannot go wrong with a focus on gratitude, right? Because yes. what you focus on expands, right? Um, what you think about, you bring about. If you're grateful for the abundance that you already have, then more abundance will be attracted to you. That's just how it works, mm -hmm. right? Those are, those are the laws of the universe. So anyway, so the, the first part is get clear about what you want. And then the second part is how to deal with that resistance, which is the morning self-care practice. Mm -hmm. And then in class, we actually do uh, what I take the women through what I call um, the self-forgiveness process. Mm -hmm. and it's a really emotional. Um, it's a really an emotional experience because by the time we get to the forgiveness process, these women have all shared with each other. They've shared with me and it's, it becomes this really um, intimate, safe environment. And I, I asked them to write down, like, what are you guilty about? You can list your crimes, mm -hmm. go ahead, your thought crimes, your past, the guilt, whatever it is, everybody knows right off the top of their head. They spend 10 minutes writing about what it is that they feel guilty about. Right. Yeah. And then we do sort of a group confession. Everybody like gets to unburden themselves of what they feel guilty about. And then when their hearts are like wide open, we do, I do, I take them through a guided meditation where, um, I ask them to envision their little girl on the inside. Mm -hmm. This is going to make me cry. Cause it's always such an intense experience. But when you think about your little girl, I have a picture of my little girl sitting on my desk at about four or five years old that little girl is still inside and she still needs you. She needs your protection. She's innocent. Right. And so I have them envision their little girl and we talk to her and we tell her that, you know what, we're all grown up now and we're going to take care of you. You are not guilty. You are carrying around burdens that were never yours. Yeah. Right. If you had known better, you would have done better right? And you are perfect exactly as you are. And we go through this like guided meditation and it's just like the tears flow because it feels so cleansing. Mm -hmm. It is such a relief to feel forgiven, right? And so we forgive ourselves, you know, for all the, for holding ourselves to this impossibly high standard, yeah. right? We're doing the best we can. We don't give ourselves any credit for what we try to do, but we certainly um, crucify ourselves for our imagined shortcomings, right? Cause we were never meant to do more than what we could actually do yeah. right? or be someone that we're not, we were never meant to be somebody that you're not, mm -hmm. you were meant to be you. Right. So then we go through this, uh, self-forgiveness process and then 
you know, and then we do a lot of community building together. It's like what I was talking about building community and having several people that you're current with. Um, and then we wrap up the whole class with a boundary setting exercise. You know, I have a friend who is a therapist and she comes in and she gives this lecture on boundaries because how are you going to protect your energy moving forward? It's like, okay, now you have this foundation, right? And then you go off into the world and it's important that, you know, that's why your community is so important, right? Because that supports you as you move forward, as you're trying to raise that thermostat and take your life to the next level right? So that's a community is so important. So, but the boundaries are really important because you have to protect your energy and you have to um, sort of reshape existing relationships. It's not like you stop drinking and then all of a sudden your life is perfect. It's like, you have to retrain. We teach people how to treat us. And so when you quit drinking, you have to retrain people on how you want to be treated. And half the time we don't even know just as a side note, you know, that's a learning process. Yeah. Um, but um, I mean, boundary why- setting is so important. And I think that it's one of the, one of the hardest things for a lot of women to do because we're so it's, it's tied up with wanting other people to like you and to think you're worthy and to think you're helpful is to say yes and be a people pleaser and put their needs ahead of your own. And yet what that means is you're not taking care of yourself and it's really hard to say no, but there, I'm glad you do that because there are so many practices that you can go through to, you know, it's a muscle you need to work. And what you're doing is you're saying yes to yourself, whether that be your time, your energy, your happiness, your peace of mind. Um, it is one of the the best and most important things I've learned since quitting drinking is, is setting boundaries. It's huge. It's, it's so important. And so, and we think it's initially, I think we, we think about setting boundaries in terms of asking people to change almost, mm-hmm. you know, expressing what we need and what we, we're not willing to tolerate anymore. But uh, oftentimes it's setting a boundary with yourself as to what we need to know what our own limits are. Like my tendency is to overgive or to overdo or to extend myself too far. But when I do that, I incur resentments and it's my own fault, right? Because if I overgive, then that's, I've crossed my own boundary. So it's a boundary I set for me. It's not necessarily, people can ask for what they need, right? I understand that, but it's up to me. It's my boundary to say how much I can give without incurring a resentment. Yeah. And I love that you said, because I believe it's to be so true that you teach people how to treat you. And when you are more secure in what you need, they will honor that and treat you better as well. I mean, it's crazy how it, how it, it manifests itself. And you can do that for other people too, right? You know, you should always treat others the way you want to be treated. And we don't always do that. Well, we don't always ask people what they really need. No. You know, like a friend comes to you with a problem. What do you do? Do you just go right into problem solving mode or do you ask them what they need first? It's yeah. like, are you just venting? Do you want feedback? Do you just want me to, do you need a hug? I mean, it's like, what is it that you need from me? Nobody ever asked me that until I got into recovery. And then yeah. I was like, oh my God, I have a choice. 
<laughs> it's like, I, I'm laughing I because to- I'm friends with so many coaches now and I will go to them with something, you know, we're just chatting and they were like, okay, do you want me to do the coachy thing? Or do you want me just to tell you what I think? <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah, just tell me what you think. You know, Cause the coachy thing is like, so how does that mean? Not, I mean, don't get me wrong. Coaches. I I'm a coach. It's fabulous, but it it's, it's driven by you and what you need as opposed to most of life is here's what you should do. Cause here's what I would do. Right. Well, here's the thing is we go to particular people because we know what their go-to is. Yes. Yes. Like I, I have a friend that I know that when I call her, she's going to get right into solution. I have another friend that will, she's like, super granola and mother earthy. And I know she'll hold safe space for me and let me cry. Like not everybody can do that. Like that's a, that's her superpower. I can go to my friend. I can go to my friend Elizabeth and be like, I'm really sad. She'll be like, Oh, let's explore that for a minute. Why are you sad? Whereas, you know, she asks me the questions and she helps me because my tendency is I, I, I uh, recognize a problem. I want to go right into solution. She'll be like, wait a minute. What about acceptance? How about we, how about we allow that feeling a little bit of space so they can resolve instead of the spiritual bypassing, which is what I want to do. I want a spiritual bypass. Give me a spiritual solution. You want me to write a gratitude list? You want me to make 10 calls? You want me to be a service? Let me do something. Don't ask me to feel a fucking thing. (laughs) So is that what you do in your class is you, you help women feel what's happening Yeah. Let's feel our feelings. I teach something called the rain meditation that I got from Tara Brock Yeah, and rain stands for recognize, allow, investigate, and nurture. Right. And it's, this is the magic sauce. This is what helps you to resolve negative feelings as opposed to stuffing them or drinking them or eating them or shopping them. You know what I mean? Um, another, you know what another big one is, uh, self-righteous anger. Yes. Right. The, the snide bitchy character assassination stuff that we do sometimes as, as people, you know, I know plenty of men who do it too. Uh, something that we do, we know it's under the guise of, gosh, you know that, oh, she really needs, you know what she really needs is she needs to do some step work or she really needs a coach or a therapist or she really, you know, this is what she really needs to do. You know, yeah. it's like this condescending, I'm better. I know that I have the answers, right? Com- total, complete lack of humility yeah. or an awareness of. <laughs> so what happens with like at the end of the class, at the end of the process, because I do believe rebuilding self-esteem and, and is so helpful in terms of, of allowing yourself to have a better life. You let more wonderful things into it, but what sort of shifts or changes have you seen with women? Well, it's interesting. So like when someone comes to me with a relation, a toxic relationship or, or a bad relationship of any kind, it could be with a parent, a family member. It's typically like a man. Mm-hmm. Um, I never address, I never address the man stuff because what I know is that if we work on her self-esteem and her self-esteem gets better, that relationship will naturally fall away in its own time. Like, I don't need to do, I don't need to be like, oh, you need to get out of that relationship. I never have to say that. It's like, she comes to her own conclusions. Like, you know what? I deserve better. Yeah. Like, this isn't, this just like, she outgrows him. 
she, like we outgrow, like even in friendships, man, I've been, I've been in, you know, I've had like women that have been like my ride or die and the relationship turns toxic for whatever reason, like the dynamic changes where like, I feel like it's my responsibility to save someone. That was my default as a child. I have an older sister who was mentally ill with suicidal depression. And, and so I recreate that dynamic in my adult life with my women friends. Um, but I, I go into this like sa- savior mode and I try to control them and nurture them until they get, you know, but that relationship gets toxic. But when my self-esteem is not wrapped up in somebody else somebody else's behavior, right? If I'm just focused on me, then when somebody like that comes into my world and I start feeling like I'm losing myself, I recognize the signs and I stop faster. Like I don't get sucked in like I used to. Mm-hmm. And so now my relationships are healthy. My, I, I, I've been in a relationship like with my husband for 25 years. Um, and, and we have a process of I own my stuff and, and he owns his stuff, right? So we have this process of, um, you know, that we've developed over the years to address that kind of a thing. But anyway, it all comes back to my self-esteem. If I'm focused on my self-esteem, then I don't get sucked into these toxic relationships. And tell me what self-esteem looks like for you. Like, are there thoughts you repeat in your life? Is it a way you have of, of dealing with self-sabotage thoughts as they come up? Like, how does that manifest? Oh my God. I totally had an attack of like self-pity today. Um, I tend to overdo and, uh, somebody told me that they weren't going to be participating, um, in a meeting any longer. And I, don't know what happened. I just got triggered. It reminded me of something. I don't know what it was, but I was totally triggered. I was totally triggered. I had a feeling and it, uh, took, it took me over. So what I did was, is I, I let myself have, I took the dog for a walk. I let myself have a little cry. I called my friend and I told her the truth. I got, I feel like a loser today. I go, I don't even know why. It's like, I know it has nothing to do with me. It's like someone's schedule changed. But in my mind, it felt like your meeting isn't good enough. And I'm going to go do this other meeting instead. That's what it felt like. But it was like an inappropriate response to the situation. I'm like, what is going on? And so I just allowed the feeling to come up. I did the whole rain process. I recognized I was triggered. I had some awareness. I allowed my feeling. I allowed myself to be sad. I called my friend who lets me be sad mm-hmm. and who doesn't try to fix me. I told her, I said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Don't try to fix me. I just need to be sad for a minute. She, and so we, she helped me to walk through my thought process because at the end of it, it was like, oh my God, I'm such a loser. Like that's <laughs> the thought that came to mind. Yeah. And I don't really believe that. I mean, there's no evidence to support that to be true. Right. But I just let the feeling come up. I had it, um, you know, the investigation part and then the nurturing. It's like, well, what is it that I need? And it's like, well, I needed a hug. I needed some reassurance. I needed a rest. I needed a snack. (laughs) I needed to just take a break because I've been really pushing hard lately to achieve goals. And, and I'm, I'm in transition myself and doing projects and things. And 
I just have been pushing too hard. That was a boundary that I, that I crossed for myself. Yeah. So I just rec- I just recognized that, but I, I did my whole process. You know, I reached out to, I have a support group and I utilize my support group and you know, the hungry, angry, lonely, tired yeah. thing. So I had to stop and take care of myself. Well, I, I love that you told that story about going through that process today, because I think, you know, in the spirit of not, not being so hard on ourselves, women are like, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't ever think that I'm a loser if I'm going to have self-esteem because then I'm sabotaging myself. Like we blame ourselves and beat ourselves down for having emotions that are beating ourselves down. And the example that you just shared as a coach, as a teacher, as someone who's been doing this work for years that we all go through, mm-hmm. we all have moments, we get triggered, we have those cycles. And, and what you do is you build this toolkit so that when it happens, you have the tools, the mindsets, the processes, the abilities to go down that road and pull yourself back out. And that's, that's a muscle that we work every day. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're going to be have self-esteem, be fixed, and never feel like a loser again. What you do is when you have those feelings, which are human, you have the tools to feel your feelings, experience them, do the RAIN technique, have the people who are going to pull you out, realize what you need and come out stronger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, don't think I, I was, I wasn't walking around my neighbor going, Oh my God, I'm supposed to go on a pot in Casey's podcast and <laughs> act like I'm this, uh, someone called me a thought leader the other day, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, I don't know who you think I am, but I'm just, you know, in all humility, it's like, I'm still human. I'm just like yeah. everyone else. I've been doing this a very long time, but I cycled pretty quick. Like I cycled very quickly through that. Like it didn't take down my whole day. Yeah. In the past, I would have wanted to crawl in bed, turn on Netflix, get a thing of ice cream and just, you know, hide out for a day. I've, you know, so I didn't need to do that today, which felt like a win to me. Like that's going to go on my win list. Like at the end of the day, I have a win list at the end of the day, before I go to bed I write down like at least five things. Oh, you do. That's a great practice. Yeah. 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 So at the end of the day, um, you write down a few things that are wins. And so I use something called a five minute journal and the five minute journal has like, um, a little inspirational quote. And then it's like list three things that you're grateful for. And then it's like three things that would make the day great. So that means like you're setting the intention for the day and then your positive affirmation. And an affirmation is something that we work on in class actually, because Uh, one of the, I kind of skipped over this part, but one of the things we do in class is we identify negative beliefs and then we reframe it into an affirmation because your subconscious mind will tell anything that you, it will believe anything that you tell it repeatedly. That's where the beliefs come from, right? Is what we tell ourselves repeatedly. And these are typically messages that we get in childhood and we, you know, we repeat them for 50 years. So um, part of the class is that we identify the negative belief and then we turn it into an affirmation. And that's something that you work with. So this five minute journal has a space for an affirmation. So I write it down there. And then um, in the evening, it has a little space for at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, it's like write down three amazing things that happened. And then one thing that you would have done differently. Right. Mm -hmm. And the three things that made today amazing, I've, 
I'm using that as um, three things that I did really well that day. Yeah. Like I cel- I celebrate my wins in the evening. And then the one thing I could have done differently doesn't feel right at the moment. Like I'm, I'm like, what is my bonus thing that I feel awesome about? So, because I, I have enough of like, oh, I should have done this or I should have yeah. done that. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to give that a break. And that's like, what's my one big bonus thing that I did right that day? Yeah. And one, I love that you said, cause this is something I truly believe and I work on is that your subconscious will believe anything that you say repeatedly and changing yeah, yeah. those negative beliefs and reframing them because yeah. that is, you know, that is why I love vision boards or mantras or things because you mm-hmm. take something that you've been saying to yourself over and over and you reframe it into something that you want to internalize. And suddenly that automatic knee jerk thought is one that is going to be positive and constructive versus negative and draining. And it happens much more quickly than you think it will. So can you give me a, an example or two of how you've either yourself or worked with clients to reframe some of those negative beliefs into something that's more positive and constructive and affirmation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my affirmation is always, I am worthy and deserving of God's will for me. Mm-hmm. And I have defined God as in, in a way that is supportive of me. Um, so I'm allowing myself to receive, um, one of the things that I struggle with is not feeling good enough. And like, oh, if I do all these things, like I'm a doer, like I'm achievement oriented and that's never going to change. So, um, instead of feeling like I need to do a thousand things so that I can feel like I've, I've won the day. Um, and an idea that was presented to me recently was that, you know what, God doesn't have a to-do list for me. I can be happy now. Yeah. That was so freeing. I'm a total overachiever, but it exhausts me. I exhaust myself, right? Like I'm, I really feel like, oh, I want to this idea, like I'm over 50, right? I'm 51. So the idea that, um, it's like, I want my life to have meant something. I want something to good to come of my life. So there's like this pressure, like I need to do something before I die. But really it's like, I've already, I can be happy now. It's like, I have a parent child relationship with my higher power. And Mm -hmm. I look at my kids and I, I think to myself, do they need to earn my love? Absolutely not. You know, what makes me happy is when they laugh. I love it when my kids are happy and laughing and having a good time. And so you know, I, instead of the taskmaster, I used to, I had this therapist who helped me turn my inner critic into the, um, cruise ship director. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love so that. It's like, yeah. Cause my internal, you know, taskmaster was like, you need to get all this shit done. Um, and then it was like, well, did you, she had me do this internal dialogue. I was like, well, do you really like that job? And she was like, I hate it. It's like, okay, well, let's give you a fun job. How about you be the cruise director? You're now in charge of all the fun things. What fun things can we do? And so when I start feeling like over, like my, my to-do list starts getting too long, I go, oh, she must be exhausted. Let's give her a different job. What fun things can we do? What's, what wins can we celebrate? Yeah. And it's just like this maybe weird and ter- maybe it might sound weird, like yeah. I'm talking to myself, but we talk to ourselves anyway. We might oh, as well we say do. nice. We do. And I know that I, I was, I mean, it was almost, it was almost an internal joke, but I, 
um, I think a lot of women have racing minds and are trying to calculate a million outcomes. And, you know, everybody's got their own thing that they're worried about. For me, it was sort of financial security or, Mm. um, you know, being able to take care of myself um, if nobody else was to take care of me. I mean, you know, we don't need to go into this, right? It's a lot of childhood (laughs) random stuff. But but to the point where my husband at one point, um, when I was leaving a job, got like 12, 13 years ago, gave me something to put on my pinboard at work. And it said, not to spoil the ending for you, but everything's going to be okay. Because I was had so much angst and so much worry and was so like just holding on so tight to everything out of fear. And so some of those reframings that really helped me is, you know, just the smallest things like I have, um, I had up um, next to my vanity and also in my garage, just as saying that it said good things are going to happen. And Mm -hmm. just from worrying about every outcome to going, just repeating in my mind, like good things are, I mean, it just shifts you to optimism. It shifts you to curiosity. It shifts you to openness and believing that things are going to work out. I mean, it sounds so dumb. Another one was, I trust the evolution of my life. And that was one that to me meant I'm allowed to change everything. The universe is unfolding as it should. And part of that evolution Mm -hmm. was me not drinking anymore, but saying, I trust the evolution of my life. Good things are going to happen. That to me helped me just think, hold on, life gets better. Um, You know, your outcome is better than what you have now. Like just so small to the point where when I'm walking through life, my, my mindset has shifted from, oh my God, what can go wrong? I can't cope. I need to stay safe. I need to hustle to good things are going to happen. I trust the evolution of my life. And my God, that's so much more ease and flow to work through your, your life. It's a huge change, but that's part of the reframing that you're talking about. The affirmations and your subconscious believing anything that's repeatedly placed in front of it. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of exercise I want to, I want to add. Yeah. I'd love that. This is, this is all, this is all stuff like this is all stuff in the class and, and I'm happy to give it away because all this information is out there for free. Anyway, I do the class because we do the work in the class. So, you know, it gets done right. And it's a paid class. It's $197. And I would have, I used to do this class for free and people wouldn't do the work. I started charging for it and suddenly everybody's doing the work and everybody's getting the results. Yeah. And it's part of, it's part of investing in, you know, your time, your money and your energy. And, and you know, as part of that people pleasing, right? The overachieving, the hustling, we prioritize everyone else above ourselves. And yet (laughs) doing a class like this, taking the time showing up, that's when your whole life gets better, right? For not only you, for your kids. Yeah. And, and here's the, for at least for the next couple classes, if you sign up for the class, you get to bring a friend. You get to scholarship, you get to scholarship the class to somebody else. Cause women that would naturally be want to bring a friend to do it with a friend. Yeah. It would be amazing. It's that extra layer yeah. of having it's accountability. I love that. And so yeah. in the beginning, during the intro, I introduced the class a little bit. So people have some idea what we're talking about, but of course, no, you know, Arlena's class, it's called reinvent. It's on self-esteem. I will put everything in the show notes yeah. and it's, it's, it's a really lovely way to do some inner work 
with someone who knows what they're doing, with someone taking you through the exercises and supporting you in the process so that you can actually implement it in your life. Yeah, there's no homework. The, the, I think the beauty of the class is that you do the the work in the class. It's yeah. like you're setting aside a time to do the work in the class. But I want you to, like, I would, I don't care if people pay me. I just want people to do it. But here's, there's two things. There's two things, two more things I want to add to the to do list, which is, um, and when you were talking, uh, in my mind, God never says no. God says yes, not yet, or I have something better for you. Oh, I love that. Isn't that good? I love and for it. me, I'm not terribly like into religion. So for me, it's the universe. So the universe says the universe, yes, yeah. not yet. The universe, yeah. Or I have, I have something, something better, better for, for you. you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I wanted that. to marry, when I first got sober, I, I wanted to marry this guy and I'm so glad. I was like, please God, let me marry this guy. Let him love me. And, um, God said, I had something better for you. And yeah. I met my husband shortly after that. And he and I fit together like hand and glove from day mm. one, everything from like, and who, who knew it, parenting styles, the way we manage money, the uh, politics, our families, like everything has been such an easy fit from day one. Right. But yeah. I was like, please God, let me marry this other guy. And God was like, no, no, honey, I have something better for you. Thank God. Yeah. It, Universe new. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even know what you call it. I even, is- I have in my office and I work with my clients on this called the universe jar. And I think they have something similar. In <laughs> God, AA, jar, yeah. God jar, right? Yeah. But for me, I have a quote on it and it says, whether or not it's clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. And of course <sighs> that is a Magical. very famous quote, but what I put in there is my worries, the things yes. I can't figure out, the things that are weighing on me, the big questions that I'm worried about. And I just hand them over to let the universe let them unfold as they should. And then yeah. to quote another AA thing, and I'm not an AA person, but I did go and there's so much good stuff in there. Just mm-hmm. do the next right thing, right? Hand mm-hmm. it over to the universe, just do the next right thing. And I mm-hmm. love going through my universe jar because it's a physical way of yeah. not holding on to things that you can't control. And then to go back six months later, a year later, even three weeks later to this thing that was keeping you up all night that you were so worried about and realize that what you said, which I wrote down, yes, not yet, or I have something better for you to realize that this thing that you wanted so bad something better happened that you couldn't even have imagined. I mean, I love that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I, my favorite Dr. Seuss quote is in the end, it'll be okay. And if yes. it's not okay, it's not the end. Oh my God. Okay. Isn't I'm going to have so to good? update my vision boards. That's okay. People yes. listening th- is, to this are going to think I'm crazy, but who cares? Yeah. No, they're going to relate to you. We all think this way. <laughs> Your vibe attracts your tribe. So we're all thinking this way. Okay. So here's the last exercise I want to leave you with. I love it. Which is the fear setting exercise. So Tim Ferriss, my second favorite podcaster to you, (laughs) Um, Tim Ferriss has this podcast that has like half a billion downloads now. Um, Anyway, he's an amazing person and he did a TED talk on instead of doing a goal setting exercise, you do a fear setting exercise. And what it is, is that you get very clear about what your fears are, right? You list them all out and then you come up with a plan. If the worst thing, worst thing happens, 
what is the plan that's going to mitigate that fear? So you get a plan in place. It's like, well, oh my God, what if, what if my husband dies? I don't have his income anymore. It's like, how am I going to support the kids? Okay. Well, let's say, okay, well, but what if, okay, what would you do? You know, uh, you have the fortune of foresight now. It's like, well, I could get life insurance, you know, that's, and that, by the way, that was a real fear. That was a real fear I had. I was like, yeah. oh my God, what am I going to do? What would I do? And so I, you know what I did? I bought some life insurance. And guess what? Now I don't worry about that anymore. That is not something that keeps me up at night. Right. So yeah. I identified what my fear, because security is probably my number one value. I listed all out all my values and you rate them one to 10. And that's another thing that we do in the beginning. I love of values exercise. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's yeah, my jam. It's a coach. It's like a number <laughs> one coach thing. Like the first thing they teach you in coaching school. Yeah, but it's so powerful. Yes, it is. And because you need to be able to measure us, you need to have a benchmark so that you know, like, how will we know if this class is successful at the end? It's like, well, you, you need to be higher. It's like, well, what is your value at security? Where are you on the security scale? I'm out of two. I'm terrified. I don't feel like I have enough security at the end of the class. It's like, okay, security was your number one value. You were at a two before. Where do you feel like you're at now? It's like, oh, I'm at a nine. Cause I have a contingency plan. If the worst things happen, I'm solid. It's like the things I was anxious about. I don't even have to think about anymore. Cause now I know I have a contingency plan. Right. So it's like, and that's part of the, um, uh, addressing the resistance, you know, yeah. fear, anxiety, depression. These are all guilt, shame. These are all things that are re the resistance between that's what's keeping you from your dream. You know, your yeah. dream is there and it's attainable, but we have like, they're like clouds that cover the sky. You know, there are these fears and you know what, when the cloud, the sky is always blue. We just need to wait for the clouds to to blow past. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, and I think a lot of people take those feelings, right? So you get all excited, you identify your goal, you get clear on what you want. And then the fears, the resistance, the limiting beliefs, the thoughts come in that have been coming in for years to keep you stuck, whatever it is. Yeah. And almost always those are internal blocks. You, you're oh, projecting yeah. them as external external time, money, kids, mortgage, money, um, marriage, other people, but they're really internal blocks, right? That yeah. you need to work through. And the sign that you're feeling that resistance isn't a sign that you should not move forward. It is a sign that you're growing and changing and change is uncomfortable. And, pains, yeah. you know, just the idea of like, if you want something that you don't currently have, you have to do something different than what you've always done. And mm -hmm that's, that's how you evolve in life. That's how you get what you want. Um, and, and self-esteem is trusting yourself enough to say, yes, I'm scared, but I deserve this. And I'm going to put in some time and some effort and energy to get it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and surround yourself with enough support so that when you freak out and you want to backpedal that the people around you are going to be like, you know what, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You deserve it. You know, all that. We need support. We really do. Yes. I mean, it's the most important thing and being open and honest and vulnerable and, and realizing that people are going to love you and support you because you're not perfect, not because you pretend you are. Right. They love you. Yeah. Because of it, not in spite of it. Yeah. Yes. There is a thing called trauma bonding. It's like when we share <laughs> our most 
<laughs> when we share our vulnerability, it speaks to the courage in somebody else. Like they mm -hmm. recognize that it takes courage to do that. And that whole, that whole instinct of that visceral, oh my God, me too. Yes. You know, that, that bonds us. And by the way, that's a self-esteem building exercise is when you're, um, when you do service, service is a really big self-esteem. And so when I tell my girls, like, you got to do these check-in calls, you need to call at least four people a week and do these check-in calls. The first thing they say, is, I don't want to bother anybody. And it's like, are you kidding me? When somebody calls you and says, I need your help. What do you say? Right? Like, yeah. of course I'm going to help you. Right. And then you get to feel good about yourself. So it's a self and we trade everyone to, you know, we're not all crazy and on the same day, you know, thank yeah. God. Is, yeah. You know, and so it's a self-esteem building exercise to be of service to others and then to ask for support. Cause that's how we get bonded and validated yeah. in a healthy way, in a healthy way. What do you think is the biggest fear that stops most women from kind of doing this work or diving into this? I don't know. I mean, I would have to say that it is um, probably along the lines of like, we don't deserve it. We're not good enough. And that's why I feel like no wonder it's like the treasure that's hidden in plain sight right? It's the yeah. one, it's like, we will spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on Botox, but God forbid you tell somebody to spend $200 on a class that will change their lives. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yes. I listen, I love me some Botox. You don't see any wrinkles on my forehead. Guess why? Guess why? I was laughing I love because I did I don't know if I should admit this on my podcast, but what the hell I've shared all my drinking stories. So <laughs> I, I got Botox at age 40. I'm 44. And, um, my boss actually took me, we were old friends for my 40th birthday. She was like, honey, you gotta, you gotta take care of this. And I loved it, but it's so expensive. So one of the pandemic things is I'm not doing Botox and I'm not getting my hair cut and colored or pedicures. I was like, I'm saving so much money. I was like, that's amazing. But you're right. And when I talk to people about coaching or about classes, um, I'm like, it's like hiring a personal trainer or a nutritionist, right? You want an mm -hmm. outcome that you've been trying to achieve on your own and you haven't yet been successful. So why wouldn't you bring in reinforcements? Here's the thing. This is what makes me crazy. This is what makes me absolutely crazy is that people will spend money on the trainer, the nutritionist, the Botox. It doesn't help the primary problem. You know, rehab, rehab can be like $60,000 for a month in rehab, right? You're, you're not going to spend a, a couple thousand dollars on somebody who's going to help you, you know, sort quickly sort through. Like I, I can give, I've been sober for 26 years. I know a trick or two that's that going to shortcut amazing. the whole that's amazing. fucking process for yeah. you. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you take my class? Yeah. You're going to spend $500 on Botox. That's going to last three months. Let me give you some tools that'll completely change your life so that you will feel worthy of being that, getting into those skinny jeans that you want to be in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, so here's the other thing. It's funny because my husband is a, um, a metabolic balance coach. And so he, he teaches people how to eat right and blah, blah, blah. Well, the people who self-sabotage are the people who don't have the self-esteem, right? They get close to their goal and then they sabotage. And I'm like, please send those people my way, <laughs> send them my way so that they can feel worthy of achieving that goal. 
right? I don't, the people who are overachievers financially have disastrous relationships with food or with men. It's because they don't have the right self-esteem. You know, when you, when you change your self-esteem, it changes the outcomes of your relationships, what you feel you deserve as far as what size you are, like how much money you have, um, the type of love that you attract. It changes everything. It deter- that is the one thing that affects your money, relationships, and your health is how you, what you believe you deserve. That's why I'm so obsessed with it. I love that. I think that is the absolute perfect place to end this. Um, I completely agree with you. I think self-esteem is, is so important in feeling like we are allowed and able and deserve things in our lives that we all do. So the work you are doing is amazing. And I'm so excited for women who get to take part in it. It's going to change their lives. Me too. Thank you so much, Casey. Thanks for letting me talk about it. It's been so fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.